favor. Y'all, and I, I just say that because, do y'all hear that? I mean, he, he is still risen. Whatever difficulties we bring into this place, what we are celebrating in this moment is that we can have hope, that we do still have hope. And so that's good news, and we do not need to be afraid to be able to give God praise and to give God a shout and to give God an amen. It's okay to be able to do that. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16. It is not going to be on the screen. So I really encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. And for those of you who are home, uh, if you will turn to Mark chapter 16. If you don't have your Bible, you can look at it on the phone or you can listen to the Word of God. Mark chapter 16. I'm going to read the first eight verses. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now the events of Easter are relevant so Al says he, he wants to be relevant when he comes up. The, the, the message of Easter, the truth of Easter, is relevant. It's relevant to us maybe now more than ever before because the message of Easter deals with what I think is the deepest longing and the de deepest fears that we have. And we have been living through as a, as a people, as a country, uh, as a world, we have been living through a year where we have been facing our fears every single day, right? I mean, will we get sick? Will when somebody gets sick, will they survive? How will we go beyond if somebody doesn't? Is God listening to us? Does God care? Does God hear our prayers? So I think that the message of Easter is particularly important because as Al said about hope, we are people of hope, but yet we also have to realize how that truth speaks into us. And often what we do is we, we look at Scripture, especially if you've grown up in the church, we look at Scripture with what I call hindsight. We are able to see certain things because we know some of the story. But what I want to encourage you today is to, to maybe think about Easter differently try to put yourself into that first easter because while we're similar in that it was a season where people were were struggling with difficulties and things that were going on 
we are we're different because most of the people that come on Sunday, I mean, we, we gather, like Al said, some people come to Easter, to Sunday service on Easter uh, that don't come to church on a normal day, and that's okay. We come because there's some part of us that, that, that is apart and connected to God, and we, we believe in this story, and so more people will come to church on Easter than any other given Sunday. And that's true even in the middle of the pandemic. We add both of these services together, we'll have more people in this church in a year than we will have had, I mean, we will have had in a year. But the biggest difference is on that first Easter, nobody believed. All of their hope was gone. When Jesus died, when Jesus was placed in the tomb, when the stone was rolled in front of the door, They didn't believe. They, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Holy One of God. Nobody believed. All of their hope was lost. And if you read and think about the story, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and says, after he's died, and says, let me have the body. I want to bury Jesus. And so the story says that he takes some linen cloth, he wraps Jesus, and he puts Jesus in the tomb, and then they roll the stone in front of the door, and then what does he do? He goes home. Why did he go home? Because it was over. It, it was done. You see, our hindsight is that we, we read the story. We, if you go back and look at it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all present a story that is very clear. No one was planning to keep the movement going. No one was planning to keep the dream alive. Everyone's hope, everything was gone. And, and you have to stop and think about why. The reason the disciples followed Jesus was not because he was a good teacher. He was, but that's not the reason that they followed him. I think that you can make the argument the reason they followed Jesus was because of some of the outrageous claims that Jesus made about himself. The religious leaders, it drove them crazy. It wasn't the miracles that bothered them. It wasn't the healing that bothered them. It was these claims that Jesus made because he was, he was attributing to himself things that were only attributable to God. So he would say something like, I can forgive sins. That drove them crazy because only God could forgive sins. Jesus, in his claims, would say he's greater than the the tabernacle, the temple. He would say he's greater than Moses. He was greater than the prophets. He's greater than Abraham. And so it drove the religious leaders crazy, but it attracted people to think, could this guy be who he claims to be? And so their confidence, and maybe it's suspicion or curiosity, was in the claims that Jesus made about himself. And so I think that the disciples stuck with Jesus, not because of what he taught, my argument would actually be it's in spite of what he taught that they stuck with Jesus because maybe, just maybe, he is who he says he is. Case in point, the scriptures tell us that Jesus is teaching and he's feeding the multitudes, he's feeding with loaves and fish, and the crowd gets so large and he says to the disciples, hey, let's get in the boat and let's go to the, to the southern end of the Sea of Galilee. And so they do that. They make their way to the southern end of the Sea of Galilee and the crowds are there when they get there. And so all the crowds kind of follow them. And so they're, they're there and there's a large group of people. And so Jesus looks around and he says, okay, I'm going to teach. 
If I got these group of people here, I might as well teach them about something. And so he begins to teach them. And we looked at this story a little bit on one of the Sundays of, of Lent. He begins to tell them that he is the bread of life and he has come down from heaven. Now, our hindsight, we look at that story and we go, okay, makes perfect sense to us. He is the bread of life and he has come down from heaven. But in the first century, there would have been somebody in that crowd that would have said this. Wait a minute. No, you didn't. You're Joseph's boy. I know where you grew up. I watched you as a little boy. You didn't come down from heaven. You see what I'm saying? His teachings were confusing to people. I mean, literally perplexed them. And so they began to question, can I really believe these claims about Jesus? I'm not sure that I want to follow him. And so they began to kind of distance themselves. Have y'all ever had friends on social media? I'm old, so it's Facebook. Have y'all ever had friends on Facebook that begin to post things and you're like, I don't know that I want to follow you anymore because you're going off the deep end, right? So that's the mentality of what we see is the crowds begin to thin out. And so Jesus turns to the disciples. When he sees the crowds thinning, he turns to the disciples and he says, are y'all going to leave me too? And all the disciples look to Peter. And I love that because I almost a picture in my head that they kind of bow their head. They don't want to look at Jesus in the face. And then they just kind of turn to Peter because they know he'll say something. Peter doesn't respond, and it's important to understand what he, he doesn't say, yes, we're going to stick with you because we think you are the greatest teacher ever. We are learning so much from you. You are a great storyteller. You're, you, you, just, you, you really put things to... That's not what he says. And so I want y'all to hear what Peter says when Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? He says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe. We're convinced. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Listen, we have come to believe. We're convinced. We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Other words, it is saying you are are the Messiah and then he's dead he's buried I mean they followed Jesus because of who he claimed to be and then it's over clearly they were wrong clearly Jesus was not telling the truth about who he was because the messiah the son of god the holy one of god would never be executed would never be crucified it's impossible to think that the holy one of god would be killed by a uh, another military power and so certainly they were wrong and so it's clear when you look at the gospels go back and try to look at the story and look at it without hindsight it is clear from the Gospels, all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all expected Jesus to do what all dead people do, which is stay dead. And how do you know that? Because you don't find anybody standing at the tomb waiting. Right? I mean, I, I think about it as... When we begin to start a new year, if you stay awake, 
for the new year. Uh, if we start a new year, what do you do? You count down, right? You're like 10, 9, 8. I, there's nobody at the tomb waiting for the t- roll of stone to be rolled away. They're not sitting there going 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. None of the gospel writers claim themselves to be the one who was truly faithful, the one who really God loved, because I was faithful to the very end, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited for God to be raised, for Jesus to be raised from the dead. It is very clear, no one in that moment believed. And so if we pause and think about that, what are we left with? We're left with a corrupt religious system, a corrupt government, a ruthless government. Some very unhappy Galilean fishermen who probably think that they have wasted a season of their life. There's no Savior, there's no Son of God, there's no hope. All of it died with Christ. And then something happened on Sunday morning. Something happened that changed everything. All of a sudden, Jesus' body began to breathe. And what it shows us is that the grave does not have a claim on Jesus. Listen, folks, this is where it gets exciting for us because Paul tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ. We receive the same inheritance that Jesus Christ received. And so if the grave has no claim on Jesus Christ, the grave has no claim on you. The grave has no claim on me. That's good news. Somebody needs to clap. The grave has no claim on us. So whatever you walked in with, if you're facing darkness out at a period in your life that you see or someone in your life, your family is, you have to remind yourself the, the enemy does not have claim on that because we have the power of resurrection. And so whatever you're facing, whatever you came in with, whatever baggage you're bringing into this place, you have got to remind yourself, I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And everything that I look at, every obstacle I see, does not have a claim on me. And so we celebrate on Easter. Now here's the interesting thing. is There, there was no believers until after the resurrection. The Bible did not create Christianity. Christians did not create Christianity. The resurrection created both the resurrection created both of these and you can sit there and argue and go yeah but we learn about the resurrection in the bible do we because the bible did not come about until about fourth century so how do we know about the resurrection how do we know that jesus raised from the dead because matthew started telling people Matthew started sharing his story. Luke, Luke says that I'm going to create an account. I want to orderly recognize what all happened. So I'm going to go and talk to the witnesses and I'm going to say, tell me your story about experiencing the risen Christ and tell me your story about the risen Christ and I'm going to put those together so that we can see it. John begins to tell people and Peter begins to tell people and Mark hears from Peter and so Mark begins to write things down and tell people about it. For 30 years, Peter went around and told story after story. He would go to town after town and I can only picture it in my head, but I picture that when he comes into town, people are going, will you tell us one more time about what happened? And then he goes to prison 
He doesn't know that he's going to die in prison. But he begins to tell the story again. And Mark is with him. And Mark goes, hang on. Go slow. Because I want to write this down. I want to hear what you're saying. That's how we know about the resurrections. Because they began to share their experiences with the risen Christ. And so Peter says, let me tell you. Joseph of Arimathea, after Jesus died, he took the body and he wrapped it in a linen cloth and he put it in his family's cave and he put a stone in front of it and he had hoped that Jesus was going to usher in the kingdom of God, but he lost his faith, but he did the only thing he could do, which was just bury Jesus. And the women, they get up. On Sunday morning, they go to the tomb. They're just going to go to put some more spices and finish preparing the body. You know that they have lost their faith because they were talking about it on the way. Who's going to even open up the tomb? And when they get there, the tomb is opened up, and they do something that, that you and I probably wouldn't do, which is go inside. And they go inside the tomb, and there's this man clothed in white, and he says, Who are you looking for, Jesus of Nazareth? He was crucified, but he's not here. He's risen. They are alarmed, but the, the man says, go and tell the disciples, and I love this part, go tell the disciples and Peter. You ever hear that and wonder why does he say and Peter? I think it could be a couple of different reasons. One, you could you could hear that as go tell the disciples and Peter, meaning kind of Peter's excluded. But we know that Jesus has already said that he's going to build his church on Peter. So it's not that he's not a disciple. So I think it has to be more for the reason of emphasis. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure that Peter knows this. Make sure Peter is aware that I have been risen from the grave. Tell him to meet me in Galilee. And so Peter's telling the story, and he says he went to Galilee. Now here's the thing. Why did they go to Galilee? And I think that in that moment, perhaps, that curiosity came back. Maybe he is who he says he is. And then the story tells us, and Peter would say that they got to Galilee, and they had breakfast on the beach. With the risen Lord. We've been talking all season of Lynn about meals. Can you imagine being on that beach? I picture it in my head. It's the same beach where he called Peter to begin with. Come and follow me. But can you imagine having that meal on the beach with the guy you had seen die? For Peter, everything changed. When he saw the resurrected Christ. I think everybody at that beach would look to me and to you and would say all of your hope, all of your love, all your compassion, all your faithfulness is not in vain. Because I have seen the risen Christ. He is ex I have experienced him and I'm different. That's the message of Easter's. The resurrection is what changes everything for us. Now, I listen to this story and I think there are two groups of people. And it's, this is true all the time. 
But for today, let's think about it. There's two groups of people on Easter that can be affected by this story. One is those of you, whether you're in person, online, going to tune in later, who are unconvinced. And I think you can read this story and Peter would say to you, that's okay, because I too was unconvinced. I stood in the back and I watched Jesus die. I didn't stand up for him when I had the chance. But I had breakfast with him. Risen, resurrected Lord. And I hear Peter's story, and so for me, I sit there and think, that's, that's my story too. I have experienced the life-giving presence of a resurrected Lord. I mean, me. So I get excited on Easter because I know there are people who, who need to experience and understand that the invitation that Christ, that God did something good for us. And I said something earlier, and, and, and Tiffany was like, ooh, that's good. I don't even remember what it was I said, but it was something to the effect of that the grave doesn't have any hold on us. You know, we, we, we think about it for Jesus, but that's what the resurrection means, is the grave doesn't have a hold on me. And so if you're unconvinced, I think Peter would say to you, it's okay. But the invitation is for you to experience the resurrected Lord. That's one group of people. The second is those of us who sit here today and say, you know what? I am a follower of Jesus. We might hear something different. Because I want you to think about the story. What did the disciples, what, did, what, 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 did the, what were the women told to go do for the disciples, which was go and tell, right? Go and share the gospel story. Uh, St. Augustine says this about prayer. He says, I want you to pray as though, uh, pray as though it all depends on God, but to work as it all depends on you. So I want you to think about that, about the movement of God. We as followers of Christ, we believe that the movement of God completely depends upon God, right? But we are to work as if the movement of God totally depends on us. So let me ask you a question. I love questions. So ask, you this, ask yourself this question. If the movement from this day forward, if the movement of God depends on you sharing the gospel message, going and telling and going and witnessing and going and, and letting people experience the risen Christ through you, if the movement of God from this day forward depends on you, What's the future of the movement of God look like? And only you can answer that question. But that's what we see is they went and told people. That's how we are here. That's how we know about it is because somebody shared it with us. Who are you going to share it with? So challenge yourself, whichever one you may find yourself to be. The Easter message it's a glorious message because the grave has no claim on my life. Darkness that we may go through has no claim on my life. God has overcame the world. I'm convinced. I'm certain. I believe it. So if you're unconvinced, I invite you to
to experience the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. But if you are convinced, you have to work as though the movement of God depends on you. Because there are people out there who don't know Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for your resurrection power. Lord, I really am different. I can't say I had breakfast with you at the beach. But I've experienced you in my life in so many ways. I pray, Lord, for those this morning who are unconvinced. First and foremost, I pray that they hear your spirit today. They realize that the invitation is for them. That God didn't just do something good in the world. God did something good for them. And then when we hear those words of repent and believe that we have the ability through the power of your Holy Spirit to be different, to be new, and to move from dead to life. And for those of us who say we are convinced, I pray, Almighty God, that we are not afraid to be able to go and tell, to go and share, to go and to witness. May we trust you with your movement, but may we work as if it depends on us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your son, the gift of salvation and eternal life that he brings to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.